Uh, This week, we're going to finish a series that we've been doing called Me to We. And in this series, it's cool, we've been talking about kind of our DNA as a church. And so if you're newer to Grace Church, you're checking things out, it's probably really good for you to know. If you've been here for a while, it's probably a really good reminder. Um, Our purpose of Grace Church, go to the next slide. Our purpose of Grace Church is this, to ignite a gospel-centered movement by knowing it, living it, and giving it away. So you see, when you walk in the building, you see know it, live it, give it away. You kind of see it all throughout in various places here. You see our values. It all kind of comes down to this. We really want to help people know it, live it, give it away. And it is the gospel, right? And so we want to help people. We're, We're trying to ignite, start, but really continue this movement that started 2,000 years ago with Jesus, that the foundation is the gospel, and we want to help people know the gospel and the God of the gospel in a deeper way. We want to help people live the gospel out in our lives in a deeper, kind of more pervasive way, and we want to help people give the gospel away. And so everything that we do as a church is really focused on those three things. We're centered on the gospel, and we want to help people know, live, and give the gospel away, right? Like that's kind of who we are. And so in this series, see, sometimes when we think about like knowing it, like getting to know the gospel, the God of the gospel, living the gospel out in our lives in relationship with Jesus, even giving it away, sometimes when we think about those things, we can do it in a way that's kind of focused on ourselves, you know, that's kind of self-centered. And that's part of it. You know, like we talk a lot about having a personal, like I have a personal relationship with Jesus. That is necessary for me um, to be a Christian. I have to know him personally. And so there's this self part that's part of it. But we'll talk about that as kind of me thinking. And, and the model that you see throughout the scripture is as people have these experiences with God and they get to know God in a deeper way, their thinking shifts. It shifts from a focus on us, where we're kind of the center of everything, to a focus on other people. And so we would say that's kind of we thinking, right? And there is a, a, a profound effect. When I, when I recognize that what God is doing, like the gospel and what God is doing inside of me, how he's changing me and growing me, is not just for me, but I think of it in relation, like every part of my faith in relationship with other people, it changes things in a profound way. And so kind of our big point in this series that we've talked about each week is this. We've said the deeper and deeper we go in knowing and experiencing and loving God, the more we move from this kind of me thinking to we thinking. And we said, and it's amazing. Like it actually feels really good. It's liberating for us when we're not the focus of everything, but we allow other people to be the focus of everything. And so what we've said is, the last two weeks, what we've said is, like, this is what you see all throughout Scripture, you know, when people have these experiences. So two weeks ago, we looked at Peter, uh, we looked at Peter, the uh, other early apostles, and the ancient church. And, and we were in Acts 2 and Acts 4, and you see, like, they have this deep experience, this profound experience with God. And it's interesting how all of a sudden they have this, where, like, they get to know God in a deeper, more personal way. They're filled with the Spirit, and it's like, then their eyes are open, and there's people all around, and they're like, I have to tell people what I've just experienced. I want them to experience what I've just experienced. And you see the shift in the early church, the ancient church, is, like, incredibly others-centered, right? 
right? So we looked at that a couple weeks ago. Last week, we looked at Paul's example. And so Paul's a guy that had this profound experience with God in Acts chapter 9. Like he gets to know the risen Jesus in a deeply personal way. And it actually lasts like three years. Right after this experience, he goes out in the desert and he just spends time alone, he and the Lord, for three years, like learning from him. But then you look at the rest of Paul's life and his life is all about other people. The rest of his life is all about going out, taking risks, being uncomfortable to share what he just experienced with Jesus Christ with other people, right? And so you see this all throughout the scriptures. This is kind of the example. And so the last couple of weeks, we looked at knowing it and living it through this lens of others, of we thinking. And this week, we're going to talk about giving it away through that same lens. Giving it away is a little bit easier to think um, about others, right? Because as we talk about like giving something away to other people, others have to be involved in that, right? So it's a little bit more natural for us to think that way. Uh, but I'm really excited to be able to share with you um, this week some of the stuff that's just been personally challenging for me. So um, when I think about uh, give it away, there's one word that I really associate with this. So when I think about giving the gospel, we said it is the gospel, right? And so when I think about giving the gospel away in my life, there's a word that like jumps out to me that I always think about. And that word is generosity, generosity, right? And so when I think about giving it away, I think about living my life generously, I think about giving my life away generously with other people. And as I say that, like, I wonder, I wonder what goes on in your mind. Like, when you think about generosity in your life and you, and you like, apply that personally to you, I wonder what you think about. In fact, that's a question for you. What do you think it looks like to live our lives with generosity? Like, think about that personally for you. A lot of times when we think of that word, we automatically think about money, you know? And we think about, like, giving money generously. Like that's the first thing for a lot of people that comes to mind when we think about generosity. And that's part of it, right? Like that's a part of living generously is, you know, the, 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 the income, the stuff that God gives us. We go, it's not my own. You know, I want to be generous. I want to bless other people. And so that's part of it. But I would challenge you, like, what if we expand our, our perspective, our view on generosity, like what if we expand it and we don't just think about money, but we think about other ways that we can live generously in our lives, like broad generosity. For example, let me give you some examples. So generosity, yes, it has, it has something to do with our bank accounts, with our money, but it goes far beyond that. Think about what many of us are doing over at the schools over here with mentoring. Right? We just got, uh, if, you, if you're newer to the church, um, Barberton Schools is, has started this mentoring program where there's a lot of kids in the schools that don't have any adult that's like committed and consistent in their life. That's a role model for them. And so they're trying to connect students that way with uh, people in the community that are willing to do that. And so um, the, they came and said, um, you know, we, we could use help with this. And so we talked, we did a training here with their folks. And many of you, many of us, are, are doing that, are investing in these students over there. And you think about that, and like you consistently share some of your time, your experiences, your encouragement, investing in a child. That's generosity, right? That's giving my life away generously. You think about the teachers over there that stay after school to, to help a student that's struggling. They don't have to, to help a student that's struggling. 
They're giving their time generously. That's generosity. You think about um, last night, uh, every Saturday night, we have student leaders over there, some of you in here right now, that invest in our middle school and high school students every single week generously, teaching them that their value isn't in what their peers think of them or even what they think of themselves, but the value they have, the hope they have in Jesus. That's generous living, right? I think about, uh, you know, what, what else is generosity? Helping somebody move. You got a truck and you got a strong back, you help somebody move. That's generosity, right? I think about, I've told this story before. One time I was out in my backyard and I was chopping wood and I had my, my axe, my splitter, and it was hard going. And my neighbor saw me behind me. He has a gas-powered log splitter. And I didn't ask him. He just brought it over and he saved me like three hours of time and three days of a sore back, you know? That's generosity. Generosity is somebody doesn't have a car and you go, you know what? I could help them, like I, I'm, I could take them to this appointment or I could bring them to church. That's generosity. Generosity, living generously is, you know, the, the, the folks in the band, somebody's a, a good guitar player, right? And they go, I know how to do this. I'm gonna use my gift and my skill generously to be able to be a blessing to everybody else at the church. That's generosity. And yes, generosity is also saying, I wanna invest in the movement that God is, is growing here at Grace Church. I wanna be part of advancing the kingdom and so I'm gonna write a check out or I'm gonna pull out money and I'm gonna give to that. That also is generosity. But we gotta think of generosity more broadly than just money, that's part of it. But it's so much broader than that. It's all of those things. It's us being generous with our time. It's us being generous with our skills. It's us being generous with our stuff. It's us being generous with our experiences and wisdom that we've learned. It's us being generous with our encouragement. Think about that. Like how much of a difference could it make in somebody's life that you know, they, they are in your life right now, if you would be more generous with your encouragement to them, with our knowledge to them, right? Like generosity is all of those things. It's every one of those things. And so when we talk about giving it away, we're talking about that kind of broad generosity, right? That's, that's really motivated by the gospel, so what God has done, if you sit here this morning and you would say, I am a Christian, I've trusted in Jesus, right? Then you've experienced the power of the gospel and God's generosity to you. That's what prompts our generosity to other people. See, giving, giving the gospel, as we talk about like giving it away, giving the gospel away, sometimes we can have a real narrow perspective of what the gospel is, right? Like we, we think giving it away is evangelizing right? Telling people the good news about Jesus. And so we look at the gospel and we go, the gospel is, when we talk about giving the gospel away generously, well, the gospel is John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And we go, that's the gospel. The gospel is God loved us. He sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sinfulness. We get, we, that's kind of applied to our account when I say I trust Jesus, I believe in him, I turn my life over to him, and then I have the gift of eternal life. And we go, there it is. That's the gospel. And I'd hear you and I would say, yeah, that's a big part of the gospel. In fact, that's a critical part of the gospel. And that is a very important part of the gospel for us to give away to other people. But I would challenge us and say, the gospel is broader than that. The gospel's bigger than that. Like the gospel is more nuanced than that. Let me, let me just take a second and share with you like 
the complexity of the gospel. So I want you to be thinking about like what kind of difference does it mean to give the gospel away when I have a narrow perspective of what the gospel is. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I can have eternal life through him. Compare that to giving the gospel away that's big and broad. Let, let me explain this. So the gospel is all those things that I just said, but the gospel is also God created everything, right? He created the earth, the, all of existence, and he created you and me. And it says when he created it all in the beginning, it was very good. And so God's the creator. You know what else he is? He's our father. If you sit here this morning and you're a Christian, you'd say, I love Jesus, then you have made God your father, right? And he's the best father that we could ever imagine. He's perfect. He's holy. He's loving. He's sacrificial, right? Some of our earthly fathers aren't those things. God is a different kind of father. And we step back and we go, that's part of the gospel, right? You know what else is part of the gospel? God made each of us uniquely. Like God made you exactly how he wanted you to be with your strengths, with your weaknesses, with your gifts, with your skills, even the experiences that he brings into your life. Like God made each of us very specifically that way. Exact. There's no mistakes. Maybe some of you need to hear that this morning. There's no mistakes. Like he made you exactly how he wanted you to be. That's part of the gospel. You know what else is part of the gospel? We rebel. We make mistakes. We sin. I look at my life and I think of all of the bad decisions I've made in my life. Lots of them. You know, like I, I look at my life and in the path of my life, it's almost like uh, uh, you see street signs, you know, like the, you travel down the road and you see these street signs and it's not very far before you see another one and another one and another one. And you look at the, the road of my life and it's the same thing with bad decisions. You go, it's not that far till you see another one. And there he did it again. There's another one and there's another one. And so is your life, Right. Like, that's, that's part of it. We mess up. We sin. That's part of the gospel. But you know what else is part of the gospel? We have new life through Jesus. Like, there's this beautiful thing that I am a new creation in him. The old me has died. Like, when I trust Jesus, the old me has died and the new me is raised to life. So the Bible uses the terminology, I'm born again right? Which is exactly what we signify at baptism. When we, do, we did baptisms not that long ago, when we baptize somebody, we're, we're, we're showing that they're born again. And so we take them down into the water. It's like the old them is dying to themselves and we raise them up to new life. That's part of the gospel. You know what else is part of the gospel? God gives us his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. Like when we trust Jesus, when we give our lives to him, God gives us his spirit to live inside of us, to transform us as I choose to get to know him better and I allow him to transform me. That's part of the gospel. You know what else is part of the gospel? We're each part of the body of Christ. Like, you, I'll talk about that a little bit more here in a second. But think about that. Like just like any other body has lots of different parts and all those parts are important, you and I are different parts of the body of Christ. And each part is important. Each part is integral. And you and I get to, ha to play our part and serve the rest of the body. That's part of the gospel. Let me give you one more. You know what else is part of the gospel? Our love. The way that we love each other. You know, the Bible says things like, they will know you by your love. <laughs> People will know us as Christians by our love. Like, think about, think about the implications of that. Our love should be so different than what we naturally see in the world that people go, that's weird, but in a good way. <laughs> you know, like that, that sticks out to me because it is so different than anything else I experienced. That's the gospel. 
See, the gospel is broad and nuanced. Yes, it's the cross, but it's, so, it's, it's almost like the cross is just the beginning. I was thinking about it this week, and I was thinking about a funnel. You know how you, you like a, a, a funnel, right? It's got a little tip that things come out. If you flip it around, it's like the, the cross is like going into the tip of the funnel, and you go in, and then you're like, whoa, it's huge in here. You know, like the gospel is so broad and nuanced and has so many implications for our lives. And when we think about giving away that gospel, that's different, right? It's one thing to go, I need to tell people about Jesus and him dying on the cross for their sins so they could experience salvation. That's part of the gospel. It's very different when we go, but the gospel is much bigger than that, right? What does it look like for you to give that gospel away generously to other people. Think about this. If you've got a Bible, grab it. Flip it open to Matthew 10. Matthew chapter 10. I want to look at a passage. We'll put it up here on the screen as well. But this is a passage where Jesus sends out his 12 disciples, essentially to give the gospel away. And he's sending them out. And this is what he says to them. So this is Jesus talking. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. I read that and it's, it's striking to me. Like it, it, the first thing I noticed here is like that Jesus tells them to do these miraculous things, right? I want you to heal people, I want you to raise the dead, and I want you to drive out demons. Like those are miraculous, supernatural things, right? And of course, Jesus is talking specifically to his disciples in that, right? But that last sentence that he says, I don't think that's just for the original 12 disciples. I think that's for all of us that would call ourselves disciples too. Look at it again. He says, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you've received, freely give. And you think about those abilities, those miraculous things that Jesus just tells his disciples to do. They couldn't do that on their own. The only way they could do that is if they received the power to do that from Jesus, right? That's the only way that they could do that, that they've been given that ability freely. And then you think about the rest of their lives and you go, you know what? Actually, everything that they have, everything that they've experienced has been given to them freely by God. And then I look at my life and I go, you know what? Everything in my life was also given to me freely as well. Like, do we see that everything that we have in this life, like everything good, everything of value to us has been freely given to us? Everything, like everything. It's all a gift given to us by God. Everything. And sometimes in our pride and selfishness, we can miss that. You know, we can start to, to think that, you know what, I earned this. Or I made this happen. And we go, you know what? I worked really hard for this. You don't understand. I worked really hard for this. You don't understand how I sacrificed for this. You don't understand. I paid for this with my own hard-earned money. And if we're not careful, we can start to take credit for some of those things. And yeah, we, sometimes God gives us the chance to be able to contribute to some of our gifts and our lives to make them better and stronger and more developed. But when we're honest and like the veil is removed and our eyes are open, we step back and we go, you know what though? Like who even gave me the ability to work hard for this promotion that I got? And that's a gift from God, freely given to me. We step back and we go, you know what? 
Like, who actually even gave me this mind to be able to complete this degree that I completed? And you know, if I'm honest, that's a, that's a gift from God. We step back and we go, and you know, who, who even gave me this body to be able to complete this goal that I just completed? Well, that's, well, that's God. Who gave me life? Who makes my heart beat? I don't think about that. Who makes my lungs breathe? We never think about that. We don't do that ourselves. Oh yeah, that's God. See, ultimately, everything is a gift from him. And I think maybe some of us, maybe some of you, like me, need to consider that or reconsider that this weekend. Like everything I have is a gift from him. It's God who's given me the gift of life. He's given me a mind. He's given me abilities. He's even given me the motivation and the drive to attain anything that I've attained in my life or acquired in my life including and especially the gospel. Like, think about that for a minute. Like, if you sit here this morning, I, I look at you, and I know many of you, and I know many of us that sit here are Christians. We experience the power of, of the gospel in our lives. I want you to think about that. That is a gift from God. God ordained it so that someone would tell you the good news about Jesus. God ordained it so that someone would tell you about the cross and Jesus lived and died for you so that we could be forgiven. And God is the one who opened up our hearts so that we could even receive that, right? Like it's all a gift from God. And so freely we've been given. And you know, Paul, we've talked about Paul a couple times in this series. Paul knew that. Listen to this passage in Romans uh, 11. It says, for from him and through him and for him are all things. And then he prays to God, to him be glory forever, amen. James knew this. This is Jesus' half-brother, interestingly. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Paul knew this. James knew this. Everything's from the Lord. Question is, do we know this? Like everything that you and I have in our life has been freely given to us by God. And, and look back at Jesus' logic here. Go back to that Matthew 10 passage. If I received it for free, then I should also give it away for free too. Right? Like think about the logic here. If everything that I've received, I didn't earn, I didn't work for, I've been freely given, man, then I should be pretty generous and freely give with other people. Right, like no strings attached, no you owe me, no I'll pay, you know, you gotta pay me back later. As a result of the gospel in my life, as a result of God's generosity to me, like that's the heart, that's the drive of generosity with other people. And I would challenge you this morning, if you sit here and you would say, you know what, if I'm honest, I am not a very generous person. If I'm honest, I do not think about other people often before myself. It's hard for us to admit that, right? But if that's you this morning, I would challenge you and I would say, well, then maybe you don't understand the depth of God's generosity to you. Right? Like if we're struggling with generously giving our lives away, the, giving it away, the gospel away in a broad sense, if we're struggling with that, maybe we don't understand the gospel and we don't understand how generous God has been with us. Jesus makes a pretty cool promise in, uh, in Acts chapter 20. Go, go to the next uh, passage there. He says, and it's more blessed to give than to receive. He does like, you've been freely given, right? So freely give to other people, and it makes you feel good. So, so in this series, kind of that main point at the end of it, we said, and it's amazing, you know, the deeper and deeper we go with God, 
experiencing him, it moves us from me thinking to we thinking. We go, it's amazing, right? This is the it's amazing. Like there's a blessing that comes when we live our lives generously. There's a, there's a liberation that comes when we're not so attached to everything that we take credit for and that we think we earned. There's a blessing that comes with that and it's amazing. Let, let me give you two categories. Here's what I'm going to do the rest of our time. I'm going to give you two categories to think through as we think through giving it the gospel away in a real broad sense. I want to give you two categories that I think through in my own life and how I do that. And then I want to tell you a story and then we're done. Okay. So, so here's the first one. It's actually not that complicated. Uh, here's the two categories. Think about giving it away within the church and outside the church within the church and outside the church. So in the Bible, the church is called the body of Christ, which you think about that, like that is a profound thought, right? Like you and I are part of the body of Christ if we sit here as Christians. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus, Christ walked the earth with a physical body. He no longer walks the earth with a physical body except through you and me. It's not a metaphor, like literally, you and I are the body of Christ. We house the spirit of Jesus inside of us. And so the church, as part of the church, it's not a building, right? Like this isn't the church. The church isn't an organization. It's a group of people that form an organism, a body, the body of Christ. And just like any other body, there's lots of different parts to the body. But together, they form one body. And so all of those different parts are important in one way or another. Like they all have a purpose to them. That when missing, when the different parts of the body aren't doing what they're purposed for, it affects the rest of the body in a very negative way. But when each part is doing what it's designed for, like when we're functioning properly, then the body is a beautiful thing to behold, right? And so the church is meant to function as that kind of body. Like he's given us all different unique parts. I love... Like, it's just such a great vantage point when you're standing up here because you see, like, how different we are, you know? And that's just the visuals. Like, you think about personalities and gifts and skills, and they're as different as the hand is different than the foot, right? And yet the hand and the foot are really important. And if the hand doesn't do what it's designed to do, the whole body suffers. If the foot doesn't do what it's designed to do, the whole body suffers, right? And it's the same way with us in the church. And so in the Bible, if you're interested in digging into this a little deeper, 1 Corinthians 12 talks all about this. You should check it out. Let, let me give you a couple excerpts from it. Go to the next one. This is verses 12 to 14. Just listen to this. Just as, bo- just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, anyone. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Go to the next one. Jump down to verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. God made you just as he wanted you to be. Just as he wanted you to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there's many parts, but one body. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. He says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. I don't know what you think, like when you read that, like what goes through your mind when you read that. But if you sit here this morning and you would say, this is my home, like, this is my church home. I am part of this body. 
and you would say, and I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, then like you have a part in this body that is essential to the body functioning properly. Right? Like if this is your home and you're, and you're a Christian, you're part of Christ's body, you have a part here that is really, really, really important. In fact, God designed you to meet a need that we have here. Like, isn't that a crazy thought? Like, if this is your place, God has something for you to do here. And so it begs the question, what part are you? You know, like, think about who you are and what you love and, like, what gifts you have, what skills you have. Listen, I know this. God, God can do, God has incredible things for us to do as a church in this community if all the different parts of the body would say, I understand how I'm wired and I am committed to do what I'm wired to do. Like God has profound things that he wants to do in this community and he will do in this community through us if all the different parts of the body would do what God has designed us to do and what I suspect he's calling us to do, right? The challenge is that we don't all do that. And, and I've been as guilty of this as anybody else. And what can happen if we're not careful is a few people do a lot of stuff, right? And we got a few people here that are involved in so many different things. And they're doing it because they love Jesus and they love his church. But guys, I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, that's not healthy. It's not healthy for a few people to do a lot and then a lot of people to do almost nothing or a little. It's not healthy for us. And I want to be clear here. Whenever we're serving in whatever capacity, doing whatever, or giving in whatever capacity, we're not just doing a job or completing a task or donating money. You know what we're doing? We're advancing the gospel, right? Like whatever it is we're doing, whether we're, you know, cleaning the, the toilets in the bathrooms that no one wants to do, right? That's disgusting. No one wants to do that. That is advancing the gospel, because we're creating an environment that's warm and comfortable. When you're making coffee, we're creating a clean, safe environment where people can have a cup of coffee and relax. That's advancing the gospel. When, when you're out in the parking lot and you're welcoming people in and you're smiling, that's advancing the gospel, right? Because you're making people come in here and feel good and be receptive. Know that they are cared for. Like that's what we're all doing together. And here's the reality, if I could just be honest with you. Here's the reality. If a few people, if we ever get to the point, this is not what's happening now, so please hear me. If we would ever get to the point where a few people are doing most everything in the church, you know what's not too far behind? The death of the church. We will die. The church will become impotent, will have no power. The church will be ineffective, and eventually the doors will close. Because all of us are required in this. I am no more important than anyone else. In fact, I am easily replaceable, right? Just like anybody else. And yet God has a place for every single one of us, a part for every single one of us. After service, um, Beth, so she's sitting in the back right now, but after service, right in the back, we're gonna do something uh, that is, I, she'll come up here and she'll explain it, that I think will be helpful if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, I don't know. I, I know that I want to serve in some way. I don't know what that means. I don't know how much time I have. I don't know the different areas. She's going to help you with that. And I think, I think it'll be kind of an easy point, kind of an easy entry point if you're interested in learning a little bit more about this. So she'll, she'll come up here and share in, in a couple minutes. How about, so that's, that's inside the church. What does it look like for me to give it away inside the church? How about outside the church? 
Like, what does it look like if I have a broad definition of the gospel? What does it look like for me to give the gospel away outside the church? Well, we've talked about this really the last couple weeks in, in a variety of ways. And so let me just say this. There's something that, that Paul says. So the Apostle Paul, he's writing this letter to the church in Colossae. And he writes something to them that I think is really interesting and applies very much to our interactions, to us giving the gospel away to people that are outside the church. And it's in Colossians chapter 4. And this is what he says. He says, be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. So people outside the church. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Can I, can I challenge you, if you sit here this morning and you're a Christian, man, think about that verse, or those two verses this week, because there is a gold mine in those two verses that apply to our lives. For time's sake, let me emphasize two things that just strike me from that. It's really two words that jump out to me from those two verses. Here's the first thing that I see when I read that. Here's the first thing that I see. Intentionality. Like, what does it take? How, in my interaction with outsiders, with people outside the church, what's one thing that's really important? It's really important for me to be intentional, to be wise, to make the most of opportunities, to season conversations with salt. Man, that takes intentionality. I have to be intentional in my interactions with people, right? Like, think about the conversations that you have with people that, like, have nothing to do with the church here. What are they like? Like it's really easy to have conversations that in the grand scheme of life, everything that you talk about has no real purpose, no real lasting value. Like, guys, we could be terrible about this. You know, we talk about sports or music or something. That's fine. Like, that's fine. But if that's all we're talking about, aren't we missing something? You know, like he talks about intentionally seizing our conversa seasoning our conversations with salt, with a little bit of salt. You know what that means? So in the, in the Bible, salt is, is kind of a metaphor for the gospel. And so as Christians, we're called, the, Jesus' disciples are called the salt of the earth. We're, we're gospel bearers to the earth, right? And you think about what salt does, a little bit of salt put on just right. What does it do? It makes our food pleasant, right? makes it very appetizing and you have a little bit of salt on it and you go I am satisfied or maybe even it leaves us wanting a little bit more but you dump too much salt on food and you take a bite what do you want to do Blah! you want to split it out right spit it out and you think it's the same thing in our conversations with people you know to be wise to be intentional in what we talk about and how we live our life with other people is really really important and a little bit of salt can go an awful long way the second thing that i see when i read that second word that comes to mind is this word graciousness like think about your interactions with people how how full of grace that's the word that jesus used how, how full of grace are they there like not pushy not over the top not arrogant, not argumentative, not trying to win an argument. But is my conversation or my interactions with people full of grace and love? Man, that's a good question to be asking ourselves. Are my, are my interactions with people outside the church, even ones that disagree with me, even ones that live a very different lifestyle, even ones that would look at Christianity and go, that's stupid. What, why, why, that's a crutch. Why do you even need to believe that? Are our conversations with them full of, of grace? 
And are they full of love? Are our conversations intentional and gracious? I think those are two really good uh, questions to ask ourselves. Let me end um, by just sharing a story with you that has been inspirational to me. And I pray, I've been praying, will be inspirational to you as well. So I want to tell you about a man who um, is from this area. And he told me one time a little bit about his life um, and growing up and how hard it was and kind of dealing with poverty and people's prejudices. And, and at some point in his life, he made a decision that he um, wanted to give his family a different life, his kids a different life than that. And so he moved to Norton, Ohio, beautiful Norton, Ohio, right? And at some point, he got connected to Grace Church. He actually got connected to the Norton campus of Grace Church. And uh, he, when he was there, he used his, he wanted to use his greatest gift, I think maybe one of his greatest gifts, for the good of other people, kind of give, give it away within the church. And so his gift is music, and he plays guitar, he plays bass guitar. And he was um, really excited to be able to do that. And so he got in the band, he would play, and he would jam each week. And I remember I came to Grace uh, seven, eight years ago now, and I started out at the Norton campus. And I remember seeing him play in the band there at the Norton campus, and I loved it when he would play because how he played and helped to lead worship helped me worship. Does that make sense? Like I would watch him, and it was like, Oh, there's just something infectious about how he worshiped and it made me want to worship as well. Well, as time went on and um, we were getting ready to plant this campus, I was kind of disconnecting a bit from the Norton campus to be able to, you know, invest in the Barberton campus. And as that was happening, he got sick. In fact, he got very sick and uh, he had some pretty major health complications. And after uh, numerous lengthy hospital stays and tons of different treatments, multiple surgeries, um, what he experienced was something that many people would have given up with. They would have uh, maybe just accepted death, maybe even welcomed death, but this man didn't. Uh, he's a fighter and he persevered and he made it through all of that. Miraculously, really, he made it through all of it um, with everything but one leg. He lost a leg in the process. And I can only imagine how hard that would be to be, you know, somebody who's strong and independent and, and active to all of a sudden lose your leg and have to depend on other people in a different way, you know, and accept this new kind of normal. And uh, it was hard. He was real honest with me about how hard it was and how discouraging it was and at times how depressing it was. And he wondered what his purpose was now, you know. Like how, in this new chapter of my life, how can I make much of a meaningful difference? And, it, and he assumed his guitar playing days were over. And so he, in his mind, had made the decision that he was just going to sell all of his guitars because he thought, how could I, like, I can't worship with them. I can't play on stage anymore. I use a walker now, right? I can't stand and play. I would have to sit and it's just too complicated. And if I can't play at church, I don't even want to play. So he was going to sell all of his stuff. And I still remember the first time he walked in here to the Barberton campus and um, he was different. He was, he was, I remembered him instantly and his wife and his son, uh, but he was different and he seemed sadder. He was using a walker that was different but he seems sadder. He was a little different now. 
and um, he, I, you know, asked him kind of how he was doing, and he, they said that they hadn't really been able to go to church for most of the last few years, but I was really excited to see them. And, uh, you know, so initially I asked him, are you still playing, you know, bass? I loved watching you play bass. And he said, no, I'm, I'm not anymore. You know, I haven't, I haven't been able to go to church and been in and out of the hospitals and everything. And, I, you know, I, I think that chapter of my life is over. And he said, I actually am going to sell all of my stuff. And I said to him, uh, why? And he said, well, I, you know, I can't, like, get up on the stage. I use a walker now. I said, can you still play them? He said, well, yeah, I mean, I can... I can use both my hands. I can still play them. He said, but I can't, you know, like, if I can't use it for the church. I said, why do you think you can't use it for the church? And so we just started talking. And he said, I'll bet we could figure out how you could play if you wanted to play. And so I said, uh, why don't you think about it? And why don't you pray about it? And so he did. He went home. And James, you can go to that picture. James. <laughs> James. Uh, came back the next week, and he said, um, I think I want to try. And I said, well, then I think I want to try, and we're going to figure out how to do this. And so John and James and, and me kind of figured out um, how we could get him on stage. And so we, we have a, a high-top table there that helps with that. And um, we set it up for the time that he was going to come play. And I remember that morning coming in. So James, every time he plays on a Sunday morning, he wakes up at 4 a.m. because he has to have a treatment before he can come in. So he gets up at 4 a.m. to get his treatment, to get here at 7.15, 7.30. And I remember the first time he came in, he was up very early. He came in, and we practiced a couple times getting up and down off of the stage. And he did great. And then he sat down in the stool up there, and, uh, and he was excited, and he was nervous. And I had turned around. I think it was just me and his son, and I don't remember if John was here or not, but I had turned around, and all of a sudden I heard a boom. And he had fallen off of his chair. And it, it scared me to death. And I ran over. I'm like, are you okay? Are you okay? He was kind of smiling, <laughs> embarrassed, smiling. He said, I'm fine. He said, if there's one good thing I've learned through all this, I've learned how to fall and not hurt myself, right? That's what he said to me. So we got him back up. He sat in the chair. And I'll be honest with you, I wondered, is that going to scare him that he will be nervous to play because what happens if that happens in service and he falls? And uh, no way. It did not deter him one bit. So he got back up in his chair. He went through all of the rehearsal. He went through services that morning and he was jamming. It was just, it was just like I remembered. And he was worshiping and it was helping me worship, right? And almost every week since then, <laughs> James has been up here on Sunday mornings, I, I was telling this story last night, and I kind of felt bad for the Saturday night people because they don't get to experience James very much, although the other guitar players and stuff are wonderful too, so don't hear that. But almost every week since then, James has been up there, and here's what I would tell you. Not only is he a blessing to all of us, right? He's using his gift for the good of the church, but he would tell you it is a huge blessing to him too. And he would say, using his gift, sacrificing, generously using his gift and giving his life away for us, for each of us, has been life-changing for him in this new chapter of his life. And guys, I tell you that because I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you and I hope that inspires you like it inspires me. Because I look at James and I'm like, if James can do it and have the courage to do what he does every week, the risk that he takes every week, then I will too. 
then I will too. It challenges me. And I want him to challenge you too. You have a part. Like each of us has a part to play. What's that part? How are you using how God has wired you to be a blessing to those here that are inside the church and to be a blessing to those outside the church? What does it look like for you to generously give your life away to other people?